Well, there was a time, and I, I'm feeling a little free here today because my parents are traveling. I have a feeling they're at my brother-in-law's church today in Kansas City, so I don't think my parents are watching like they normally do. Um, Heather is in Michigan with her 102-year-old grandfather. She's not here today. Uh, Reagan is in Ohio with some friends. It's just Riley and I, and uh, I'm feeling f- pretty free. So my mouth is probably going to open up and be able to say some things that maybe I wouldn't normally say. So it's going to be an exciting day. My mom, those of you know that my mother, uh, and some of you have known her longer than the six years I've been in Hutchison. There's just some history in our small world that we live in. Know her to be level-headed. Know her to be someone who is not loose or cool, uh, who, who, who stays calm in most situations. Um, she's really just a classy, kind-hearted lady. But we all have our limits, And I remember when I was, oh, somewhere in late junior high, early high school, my sister and brother-in-law had just been married, you know, maybe a year or so, not very long. And my brother-in-law was my dad's youth pastor at the time in Topeka. And as we often did, Sunday afternoons was lunch. If we didn't have people over for lunch, which was often, uh, we still had a nice family dinner. I mean, we had an incredible lunch every Sunday. That was kind of tradition. My mom was a great cook, and we grew up with that. And we just finished. My dad was doing the dishes because my mom had put together a great meal. And my sister and my brother-in-law, um, they were having one of those newlywed arguments, one of those fights, and it was getting a little bit more heated. And it was kind of the level was being raised. And uh, for, you know, a guy that was about in ninth grade, it was just a pretty good show. I mean, I was entertained. I was watching it and seeing what was happening. I, I saw my mom laying on the couch, and her, her eyes were shut. She had this look of grief on her face. And I just was watching her a little bit, and I was thinking, this, is not, this, this could not be good. I don't know how this is going to end, but it may not end well. And my mom was just laying there calmly for a while, and finally I just saw her do this, and she just raised her head up, hands up in the air and said, Stop it! Stop it! I can't take it anymore! I can't take it anymore! There was a holy hush (laughs) that came across our home and our living room. There was, there was a, if you're not a religious person, an eerie silence. If you're a religious person, we call it a quiet reverence. But the fighting ceased. It stopped. It came to a standstill. And no one dared say a word at that, at that moment in that time. That was not my mom's nature. Um, And there's times as I thought about that, I thought, you know, and by the way, Heather and I, we never did. We have had our arguments. We've we've had our fights in in our 25 years of marriage that we celebrate at the end of this month. But I will tell you, we were never dumb enough to do it in front of my mom and my dad. Because of that experience, I knew better. Heather, you argue in front of me all that you want to, but I'm not going to say a word. We'll wait to take it outside. So... I share that because I wish I could do that to our world today. I wish I could just say, stop it. I can't take it anymore. Enough. And I wish a holy hush would just come over the planet Earth, would come over the United States. There's so much yelling and screaming these days, this last year for all to see. And I I wish it was just limited to The world. I wish I could say it was just the country, but the reality is, I've even seen it 
in the church. And my friends that are pastors, we've seen it. And some of them are on the East Coast and the West Coast. They've experienced it much more than I have. I apologize. I've had to drink a lot of water the last two weeks. I'm not going to tell why, but it's, um, well, then you're going to wonder. I've been doing this keto diet, and man, it just makes you thirsty. Um, I need my breads and my sugars this morning. It's been magnified what's gone on in our world by social media, by the news, the things that you just saw in that video. Um, you know, for Christians, we've seen our We've seen arguments and fighting take place for everyone to see, and it happens through Facebook, and it happens through the other venues on social media. And I wish at times that we could ease those tensions, because the message I'm sharing today, I really believe is at the heart of Jesus. And I, I believe that you, we're going to see that in a moment, but I, I believe that I believe that the church has even been heightened this last year. I think everything everywhere seems to be a full court press. To pull us apart, to highlight our differences rather than what unites us. Now, I don't have an answer for our world today. I don't have an answer for the United States today. What we're focused on today is the church. That's the part that we have an element of buy-in and say-so in. You know, James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, we wonder where these fights and quarrels come from. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? They come from our desires. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. It's kind of figuratively speaking for us. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. We have, we're people that we all have desires, and we have wants, and we have wills. And when we find ourselves not getting our way and our wants and our desires, then that's what breeds quarrels and arguments. And I'm convinced as a pastor friend of mine has said recently, I'm convinced that the mark of Christian maturity today is how well we respond to the things that don't go our way. I think every one of us could stand up in here today and tell how something didn't go their way this last year. Multiple things that didn't go our way. Multiple things maybe in your family, in your community, or whatever it may be, but the mark of Christian maturity is how we respond when things don't go as our desires, when they don't go as our wants. Yes, at times I wish I could stand up and I wish I could just say, quiet, can't take it. And there would be that holy hush that would come across everyone. But we've seen this last year. We've seen enough of the raised voices. We've seen enough of the yelling. And nothing's been accomplished through it. Nothing's been made better. Sometimes I wish God would step in and say, stop it. I can't take it anymore. Friends, I believe that day is going to come, actually. There's going to be a day when God's, there's going to come a day, and uh, we're going to talk about it in August. Um, I've, I've said that we're going to preach a sermon on hell. Um, I just figured August 2nd would be one of the hottest days in the year, and so we're going, to, we're going to speak to that subject then. But I believe there's coming a day of judgment. I believe God is coming back, and there is judgment. We don't like to talk about it, but I believe there is that. But I believe in his kindness and mercy, he doesn't want anyone to experience that judgment. I wish God sometimes would come in and have a holy hush come over. And that will. There'll be a holy hush one day. But until then, what's the answer? 
What's the answer for today, those of us living in the here and now? I believe we find it in the one recorded prayer of Jesus. Not the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not the, the prayer that he taught us, not what to say, but how to say. Kind of the praise first. I mean, that's where we should start with praise. But this is the recorded prayer of Jesus. This is a lengthy prayer and the only really recorded prayer that we have of Jesus. And I, I think it's so important today that we look at this. And then we're also going to look at two of his disciples two of the leaders of the church, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, and how they lived out these words of Jesus. If you want to know what's important to a person, listen to what they ask for. If you want to know what's important to a person, listen to their prayers. Listen to what they pray hardest for. If you looked at my prayer journal, I have a five-year prayer, uh, it's a five-year journal, and I use it for prayers. It's just short. I can kind of look where God's been moving in my life and where, where there's frustrations and where there's joys, and I can look back at those things. And if you looked at my journal, you, uh, and I've gone through it recently uh, because I was thinking of this message, you would see what's important to me. You would see the things that really matter to me. Because often you're going to see HR and R because there's not a lot of room. That's Heather, Reagan, and Riley. A lot of my prayers are focused around Heather and they're focused around Reagan and they're focused around Riley because they need it. Well, that wasn't so funny, I guess. <laughs> I need it. A lot of my prayers are focused on family. A lot of your prayers are focused on family. That's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You, you know what's important to you by the things that you pray about, and family is something that we pray about a lot. All of us in this room, we pray the most for our family. We pray the most for those that are closest to us. And I really believe this is the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. He's praying for what matters to him most. He's praying for his family. He's praying for the family of God, the church, his current followers, but as well as his soon-to-be and someday followers, which is us. And I want to encourage you to read John 17 on your own this week. We're not going to go through the whole chapter, um, but I encourage you to read that on your own. You'll get a heart of what the heart of Jesus was. But today I want to first look at uh, a few words of Jesus in this prayer of John chapter 17. The first thing I want us to take notice of is verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life, first of all, it's found in Jesus Christ, but this is the one thing that, that at the top of Jesus' prayer list, he prayed that we would know him, that we would know God, that that's life, that's eternal life, that's, that's a hopeful future, that, and it's all found, and eternal life is found in Jesus Christ, and, and our hope is found in him. And think of this, we, we just... It's so easy to lose sight of this, but the God of the universe, the creator of all things, wants to know us, wants to know you, wants to know you, wants to know you, wants to know me. The creator of all things wants to know you. That's it's the heart of his prayer. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to know Jesus. He wants us to know, to know his heavenly father, our heavenly father. Jesus prayed that we would know him. Then Jesus went on to pray, and we're not, you can read this on your own. He went on to pray for his immediate disciples, for the 12 and a few of the others and those who the, he had he'd been with the previous three years. Then Jesus prayed for his future followers. 
He prayed for us. I believe this last part is a prayer for us. And you find it in John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23, which Jesus said this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also. I pray also for those who will believe. That's us. I don't think it was just for those who were coming shortly there behind us, but I think Jesus had a long-term view. Think of it. He was thinking of us clear back then. For those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. If you have your Bibles, I'd just circle that. That's where we're going today. Father, just as you are in me and I am you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's his prayer. I have given them the glory that you've given me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. This is Jesus, the one recorded prayer of Jesus. The one thing that we see that this was important, this, this had to be written down, this had to be recorded. I'm sure Jesus prayed a lot of prayers, but the one that recorded, the one that really mattered was that we would be brought to unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. The heart of Jesus, the heart of his prayer, I want to look at three things. And before, I, I wish we had time to dive into this more. I wish we had a few hours to dive into this. I've been listening to a, if you want to go into a deep dive study on this, I've been listening and reading a book lately by Francis Chan called Until Unity. It's a great study. We don't have time for today, but it's a great study on how important this is Until Unity by Francis Chan. But for our purposes today, I want to highlight three things here. First, Jesus prays for future believers. He prayed for us. He prayed that his family would be extended. He prayed that his family would grow. He wasn't just satisfied with what he had. He, he, he's not willing that any should die, but that all should come to repentance, that all should come into relationship with him. He prayed that his family would grow and be extended. It leaves me asking us this question. Are we praying Jesus' prayer? Are we praying that his family will be extended? Are we praying that our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and our, our classmates that they would become a part of the extended family of God, that they would become our brothers and sisters in Christ. Are we praying the prayer that Jesus prayed? It was a top priority for him. The second thing is Jesus prayed that we would be one. It was his top priority. He wanted us to be a family. He wanted us to be together. He wanted us to get along. And this makes sense. So many of us are parents and grandparents in here. And we want more than anything, after our, our family knowing God, we want our family to get along. We want our kids to get along. You know, it, when they're little, you know, the, you, you, when they fight, I mean, you've made them kiss and hug and make up. And I tell you what grieves us even more is when they become adults. And some of us have adult children that aren't getting along right now. And it grieves our heart. It breaks our heart because there's nothing we want more than for our children to get along with one another. And that's the same grief that God feels when his children don't get along. He wants his family. He wants it to be like the reunion. He wants, it to, he wants us to enjoy one another, and it grieves him when we don't. Church, I believe the antidote to the world's disunity is the church's unity. We know the world's divided. We know the country's divided. But we are called to be different. 
We are called to be united, and politics is not going to unite us. Uh, different things that are going on in our country are not going to unite us. We're going to look for the things that are going to unite us today because we're called to be different. We're called to live in unity. It was important to God. It's important to Jesus. Thirdly, our believability is found in our unity. The evidence of our relationship with Jesus, the relationship that we have with God, the evidence of that is found in the way, as Jesus said, they'll know that, that, that you're my followers by the way that you love each other. How we love each other is so important. It's the evidence. It's the fruit. How can the world believe in Jesus if his children aren't getting along? Jesus, they will know, says they will know that you're Christians by the way you love each other. We should strive towards unity. We should make every effort. Scripture says we should make every effort for the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God wants a peaceful home. He wants a a unified home, a unified family. He wants us to be together. Well, how can we be together when we have so many different ideas, so many different opinions, so many different thoughts? Don't confuse unity with uniformity. We're different. We think different. We act different. Uh, In our marriage, we're different. This is the part where I'm going to feel a little free. Get some water to choke these words out. Yeah, don't, don't worry. It's not that big a deal. You're going to be like, that's anticlimactic. <laughs> Unity is not 100% agreement. I can tell you this. Uh, from our, our marriage, I know this is for you too. We don't agree on everything. Rick Warren says this. Don't, don't buy into this lie. Don't buy into that lie that because you disagree with me, you can't like me. We're living in a world right now that says, you don't agree with me? Canceled. You don't agree with me? Cancel. You don't agree with me? Cancel. We live in this cancel culture. Everyone cancels each other out. That may be the world's plan. That may be our country's plan. But it is not God's plan. It is not his plan for his children. That because we disagree with one another at times, and we will disagree with each other at times, that we cancel each other out. We're called to overcome that. We're called to love in spite of our differences. And why, why do we have divisions? Well, I really think it comes down to a couple things. It's It's the hows versus the why. When we focus on the how, we're going to have division. When we focus on the why, we're going to have unity. What what do I mean by that? What I mean like in in our marriage, there's the how we do things in our home. How we load the dishwasher. How we load the silverware drawer. How we fold the laundry. How we put the toilet paper over, not under. How How we squeeze the toothbrush from the bottom, not in the middle or the top. There are all those things, and I'm, quite, I'm just being honest with you here today. I don't have to say it any other way. She's not here. Heather does all those things wrong. <laughs> just one thing right would be helpful. Now, she would have a different take on that. And this is lighthearted. These are things that aren't matter. And, but when we get into the hows of our relationship, how we do things, it brings arguments and quarrels and division. But when we focus on the why of our relationship, it brings unity. When we focus on the why that our relationship was brought together 25 years ago, I believe, because Jesus wants our marriage to be a reflection of Christ and his church. He wants our marriage 
to not just benefit us. He wants our marriage to benefit others, benefit you, benefit. I, I've heard a pastor say early on in my ministry, the best gift that you can give to your church is a healthy marriage, not a perfect marriage. We're not perfect. But to give your church a healthy marriage, a, a good example, because that is the best gift that you can give them. It, it, when we focus on the why that is for others, that the why it's for our kids. God wants peace in our home. He wants community in our home. And the best gift that you can give your children and the best gift that I can give my kids is our marriage, is a healthy marriage. Now, I know we live where 50% of us are divorced, and I'm not trying to leave anybody out. So what's the answer for that? First of all, God's grace is so great. I'm so thankful for that because I need it. But I'll say this. Do the next best thing. How you get along with your ex, it's important. Do it for your kids. Not for yourself. Do it for your kids. It's, it's for others. How do we do this? How do we protect the unity of our church? We can't do anything about the United States. We can't do anything about the world. So how do we do it in the church? Well, we're going to steal something today from John Wesley. John Wesley said this, and don't put up all three. I'm going to say all three. We're going to come back to it. But John Wesley said, in the essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. And in all things, we have love. The first one here. In the essentials, we have unity, John Wesley says. That means the things that really matter are going to unite us. The whys, not the hows. Uh, what unites us is the church. Why do we have other denominations and other churches in, in town? They think differently. They have different, a few different thoughts on theology and doctrine and things. Why, why, what helps us get along? It's the essentials. It's Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's, it's his virgin birth. It's the Trinity, God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. These are things that unite us. It's, it's the Christ's return. We believe in his, his return one day. Now, it's keeping the main thing the main thing. And when we get into the things that don't, aren't going to matter 100 years from now, then we start having conflict and division. But what unites us in this room today and what unites us with other churches in town are the ones that are lifting up the name of Jesus Christ, who are living by the authority of Scripture that is God's Word that, given to us, our playbook and how to live out our life, His instruction and manual to us. But then there's differences. There's the non-essentials. And in the non-essentials, we have liberty. I gave you an essential at the top that we believe in Christ's return. It's good news. We believe that one day Christ is going to return. He's going to claim his bride, his church, and he's going to bring us into his everlasting glory, and it's going to be a glorious, wonderful day. How that happens can be dividing. So we don't focus on that. We give each other liberty. There's those, and even in our church of our denomination, we allow for a wide net of how this can be taken. Some believe there's going to be the rapture. Some of you that are, didn't grow up in church, you're, if, I don't mean to lose you, so just come back to me in about 30 seconds. I'm not going to explain this all. But just come back in 30 seconds. Just know this is churchy stuff. But some believe the rapture is going to take place. Some believe there's going to be a tribulation and trial first. Some believe there's going to be a mid-tribulation, and some believe they're pre and post. We don't care about the how. We care that it's going to happen. What unites us is we believe Jesus is coming back. That's what unites us. The how can be divisive. It can tear us apart. So we leave it in the non-essentials. We have liberty. Uh, I'll give you a few more examples. The ordination of women. Our church ordains women. Pastor Christie is working towards her ordination. 
So that might come as a surprise or a shock to some people in here that maybe grew up in a, a Calvinist or Baptist church. And there's nothing wrong with my Calvinist or Baptist friends. I know where they take their scripture. I know they take it that women should be quiet in the church. And uh, there's a place in scripture that says that. And they take that literally. We take it contextually. Um, we don't get caught up. We, we shouldn't get caught up in this being a division. We take a scripture that says uh, from the prophet Joel that in the last days, and this is quoted in the New Testament, that all, all will prophesy. Both men and women will prophesy. We take it in the last days that when Jesus came, that he broke the walls of division, and he said there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, man nor woman, but we're all equal in the sight of God. Yes, there's some things that are just naturally physically stronger, but we, we, we look at Scripture differently there. And we all have to make a decision what we're going to take literally and what we're not. Um, you know, if, if we're going to take one thing literally, then we might need to take the literally of every guy in here should be blinded by the t- age they're 21 because it says if you struggle with lust that you should gouge your eyes out. Did you know that? <laughs> we take that contextually or figuratively that that means... Hate that sin so much that you're willing to to put restraints on your computer, that you're willing not to sign up for certain prescriptions, that you do whatever it takes to take it seriously so that you will not do that. Not that we all need to be blind in here. But those are things that could divide us, but they're they're not meant to. Those aren't the main things. Those are things that we need to give each other liberty. I could hit others. Six day creation versus uh, older earth, which is a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. The bottom line, we believe God is the creator of all things. That we didn't come from a bunch of goo and we didn't come out of a bang. But it could have taken longer or it might have been the six days. We don't, in the church, in our church, we don't get hung up on the how because it's divisive. We focus on the why. And the why is this. We were created in the image of God. We were created. We were made like him. We were, we, I mean, that's a wonderful thought to think that we were made in his image. I'll leave you the last one because it's kind of practical in this way, a little dangerous here. And, and that's uh, a last uh, non-essential, maybe a non-essential. There's more. But music styles. Music styles are a, a non-essential. They're things that don't belong up in the essentials. They're things that are non-essentials, things that uh, they can be divisive when we focus on the how because we all have so many different preferences of music and how things work. But if we focus on the why, not the how, because the how will divide us. The why is because we want to spread a large net to reach new generations of followers of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for a people in this church that have made sacrifices. I talked to a few of you last week. You came up, and it was one of those weeks. Maybe it's hard to get it right, but it was a week that maybe it was louder or whatever. And, and it was just, I felt the, the pain in that. And I just want to say I don't have the full answers for that because it's so subjective. But I want to say thank you, as I said to these friends and folks that are friends of mine, that thank you for the sacrifices that you've made so that more people can come into this church, that we can reach the next generation. The music wasn't what we grew up with. I, I walked by one of our Sunday school classes, and I heard the hymns that I grew up in as I walked by, and it actually brought a smile to my face. And I sing those songs driving down on the road in the car on family trips, and my girls are like, what in the world is that? Where did that come from? I mean, I grew up with it. But if we focus on the how, it will divide us. But if we focus on what... The why is, and the why is that we would reach others for Jesus. The why is what Ray Johnson said. The church that wins the kids wins the future. 
I'll just make it a little shorter. The church that wins the kid wins. And I truly want to say from the bottom of my heart, because we're all together today, we don't always get to be all together, I want to say thank you for those of you that are sacrificing so that new generations could find and follow Jesus. And I know they're not your favorite, and they're not your taste, or your style, and it's out of your comfort zone. But I want to say you from a pastor's heart, thank you for those who have gutted it out and stuck it out. I know we've had some people leave over this, and it breaks my heart. But what doesn't break my heart is this. I know there are in other churches they're following Jesus. They're not losing their relationship with God. It just didn't work for them. And it's, it's, they're not bad people. They're good people. But I want to say thanks to those who stuck it out. I, I, I'm questioning whether to do this today. And if I had Heather here, I, I may not. But since she's not here, I feel, feel more risky today. Frisky. I've been here, we've been here, we've been blessed to be here for six years. And I don't know if this is going to work or not, so we're just going to experiment. Um, if you've been here six years or less, would you just stand? If you've been here six years or less at this church, would you stand? If you've been here five years or less, would you remain standing? Five years or less, remain standing. Four years or less, remain standing. Three years or less, remain standing. Two years or less remain standing. One year or less remain standing. There's going to be reward for those of you at the end. Because um, you're going, man, I'm never coming back to this church again. They make me stand on the first Sunday that I'm here. Um, uh, three months or less. Okay. Two months or less. One month or less. Two weeks or less. This is your first Sunday. How many? One, two, three. Where is this your first Sunday? This is your third Sunday. So thank you for being here. I'm going to get you something later. Is anyone else standing that I missed? Is there someone fourth? No, one, two, three, right? One, two, three. Anyone else I'm missing? Don't make these people stand much longer than what they are. <laughs> Anybody else? Hey, thank you for playing along. Here's a $50 gift card to Airport Steakhouse that you can enjoy for your embarrassment today. <laughs> Want to do that? I'm feeling frisky. <laughs> Did I miss anyone else? I, I'm going to have another one for you. you come, if you come back next week and make it your fourth week, I'll have one for you. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I promise. I want to say all those folks are here because of the next group of people. Those who have been here six years or more, would you please stand? Thank you. Thank you. Keep standing. Keep standing. I know this is hard bones. I'm not going to make you go too long. If, if, you've been, if you've been here over 20 years, remain standing. Over 30 years, remain standing. Over 40 years, remain standing. 50 years, remain standing. 60 years, remain standing. I know I'm going to lose a few here in a minute. 70 or more, remain standing. Jerry, you made it to the 70 Club. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> we'll start going slower. Don't sit down, Marvin. Or 75 and, 75 and more. 75 and more. 80 and more. Bob Wilson, are you the only one standing here? 
90 years at our church from beginning to end. Now, this is a little bit hard because his wife of 67 years has been in assisted living and has not been able to be at home the last month or couple months, and it's been hard. And uh, you know what? We're going to pray for you now because we know this is not an easy season as you shared with me on the way in. Father God, I thank you for Bob. I thank you for men and women like this who have been faithful to this church, who have stuck it out, who have gutted it out through the changes, through the ups, through the downs, through their frustrations, through their joys, Lord, even through their difficult season personally. And Lord, I pray for Bob and Roseanne. I pray that you would bless them in this season, help them and give them the strength that they need. Be with Roseanne where she is right now. I know that she would love to be right here. Lord, would you just go to where she is because we know that you do that. Would you let her sense and feel your peace and your presence. Lord, Bob represents those and Roseanne represents those who have uh, gone before us, paved the way, remained faithful. And we wouldn't be here without them. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a $50 card to Airport Steakhouse for you guys as well. We love you. And you're next week. Can we give Bob another round of applause today? I only had four cards. I should have got a few more. Kevin, you would have liked that, wouldn't you? In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty, we have freedom. And finally, in all things, we have love. Now, we can't be unified with some people. Uh, it's just foolish for us to think that. We can't be unified with Muslims and Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses. We can't, we can't be unified with them because the essentials are important. Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, his the, the Trinity, the God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the virgin birth. But in all things, with those who disagree with us, in all things, the body of Christ is called to love. We're called to love everyone. Those who disagree with us, those who even are enemies. And we're called to love all sinners, which is really good news for us because we is one. We are sinners. And we need the mercy and love of Jesus. And we pray for our brothers and sisters. We pray for others. And we have those that don't believe with the authority of Scripture. You, we may have some here today that I don't know if I believe the Bible. And that's why we like to say around here, it's okay for you to belong before you believe. Jesus had a doubter at his a part of his 12. Thomas was a doubter. He let Thomas, uh, before he believed, be a part of it. We invite you to bring your doubts. But in all things, we're called to love. Jesus prayed for this one thing because the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. He's calling on us because when the church comes together, there's nothing more powerful in the world. When the church comes together, it makes our, vibra it makes our, it makes our worship vibrant. It makes our testimony and our witness contagious. It leads to things like today and our baptisms. As I'm sitting here thinking, I'm thinking about my neighbors and been here for four, fifth week now, and now getting one of you getting baptized, their daughter's getting baptized. I'm thinking, I need to take you guys out to airport steakhouse. I'm feeling bad about that. Let me finish and wrap this up because we want to celebrate baptism here. How can we live this out? And I'm going to go through this quickly. Paul and Peter give us some practical advice of how we can live this out. First, in Ephesians 
chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. We've received a calling. God help us to live a worthy life. Not perfect, but worthy. How can we do that? The first he says, be completely humble. Boy, we could use a lot more of that in this world today. I don't have time to elaborate on this. We'll let the Holy Spirit speak to us. I think the follower of Jesus, we could be more humble. We could be less about being right and more about deferring to others. Two, it says, humble and be gentle. I think of Heather's grandfather today. I got this yesterday from Heather. She sent me this. This is 102-year-old Grandpa Willard. Because all girls are visiting right now, who had to fix the air in the tire? Thank goodness for guys. 102 years old, he's fixing the air in the tires. And then, uh, then uh, just got a quick little video. I was, we're so sad we weren't able to see him this year. But, man, he's just such an amazing man. But you know what makes uh, him amazing is he's gentle. When we have family reunions, everyone wants to be around Grandpa Willard. He's the, he's the show. He's the party. He doesn't even try to do anything. He just, everyone wants to be around Grandpa because he's a cantankerous, grumpy old man. <laughs> no, he's gentle. He's kind. I don't know if there's any, in fact, that's the one word I'd use to describe him. He is just gentle. We should be marked as followers of Jesus as being gentle. Then to be patient, Paul says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then uh, that's giving the benefit of the doubt, assuming the best in others, not the worst. And four, make every effort to preserve unity and promote peace. Make every effort to, the uni- to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then we're going to celebrate baptism in a, in, a, in a little bit, and I can't wait for that because there's one body, one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. It's just good stuff. But make every effort to preserve the unity and promote peace. What does that mean? It means, church, we're, we're called better we all have been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it. We're called not to gossip, slander, quarrel, and argue. Do you know in Proverbs, it, the, 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 it is said that there's six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, they're an uh, abomination to him. And immediately we can go to some different things. We think, what would be an abomination to God? What is that seventh thing? The seventh thing that is listed is a person who stirs up conflict in the community. We are called to be together. We're called to be one. Jesus prayed for it. God hates it when we are not together. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything, but we should strive as a church. We should, our ambition, our goal, our aim in order to be like Jesus is to love one another, get along with one another, do everything that we can to promote peace. And then let me just give you a few words from the Apostle Peter. I thought he had some good advice too. The Apostle Peter chapter 4 says, the end of all things is near. That's the first thing. Keep an eternal perspective. Friends, some of the things we get worked up about right now in this day and age, in this last year, in the pandemic, it's not going to matter 100 years from now when we're in glory, when we're in heaven. It's not going to matter. If we could keep an eternal perspective, Peter says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert, sober-minded, and pray. Boy, we just need more prayer than we ever have needed. I need prayer. You need prayer. We need prayer. Then the third, he said, but above all, which means more importantly than prayer, and prayer is important, 
But if we don't have the next thing, we don't have anything. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. This is my favorite parenting verse. Because I know I've gotten so many things wrong as a dad. But I know my girls know that I love them. And I'm just praying that love covers over the multitude of my mistakes in parenting. And number four, it says... Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever you have given, received to serve. We're called just to offer help. As followers of Jesus, we're the people that we want to help people. Church, instead of offering our expert opinions, we offer help. Many people don't care about our opinions. They want their lives to be better. If we as Christians could just learn to practice these four words, how can I help? Boy, if we could learn those four words. This is the takeaway today at the, at the end of the message. How can I help? If we could just learn to say those words in our, in our work environment, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our families, with our marriages, with our children. If we would just have the attitude, Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. If we could take on this attitude of how can I help? And we've invited the kids when they heard how can I help? That was their cue to come in. So how can I help? Let's, while we're doing this, I bet they can pick up on this. Let's practice this as they're coming in. Uh, would you just humor me a little bit? Let's just on the count of three, we're gonna say how can I help? One, two, three. How can I help? Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. I'm so glad you asked. Sitting on your seat today, you came in today and you saw a, a flyer called Convoy for Hope. It was started in Wichita. We're spreading it, spreading to Hutchison. But it truly is going to be a great day, July 31st. And I'm going to make this short, but we need help. You'll hear more about it. We need 40 volunteers on Friday night, July 30th, to assemble over 2,000 backpacks. You don't have to buy the supplies. Get the supplies. They'll be there. We'll be in our gym. We've done, we've, we've done good at this before, so we know how to do it. But 40 volunteers to assemble the backpacks. We're going to need 30 volunteers to show up at 7 o'clock in the morning, July 31st, down at the, at the fairgrounds to help pass out those backpacks. Because there's more going on than that. There's, there's food being passed out, milk being passed out. There's groceries being, uh, groceries being passed out, backpacks being packed out. There is water being passed out. There's snow cones being passed out. We couldn't do this all on our own. This is churches of Hutchison, Reno County coming together. And I'm thankful for uh, uh, Kendall Sheets, pastor down at Hope Church, who shared this idea with, with me and with us. I thought, this just fits down our alley. This is who our church is. We want to be people that offer hope. And uh, before kids go back to school and those struggling, we want, to, we want to infuse our community with hope. And so everything will have been bought and supplied. Where did it come from? Well, one of the things is because you're giving this last year, our church contributed $5,000 to this event and this effort. And I want to thank you guys for what you guys, that's a clap for yourself. That's not me. That's applaud yourself. Your giving last year is allowing us to do that, to be a big part of extending hope. And so how can you do that? Touch Hutch, Hutch to 56316 and get on the hub to sign up. There's a place that says Convoy of Hope, and we can help you get signed up there. Funny, this last week there was one of, I'm trying to remember how it was, one of our life groups, and uh, their kids are at church, or they were asking their kids, what is our church known for? It was at camp. It was on mission trip, fourth and fifth grade mission trip. What's our church known for? What's our church known for? And one of the kids spoke up and said, text Hutch to 56316. 
I hope we're known for more than that, but that is the place that we can find great communication. We're in a celebratory mood. I don't think my marriage is in trouble because of what I did today. I think we're good. We're going to celebrate baptism. We have, uh, we have some baptisms next week, I know. We're going to leave this out for the next six weeks because we may have those that want to be baptized. And if God's leading you to take that next step to share of your faith in Jesus Christ and you want to do that through the baptism, we encourage you to do that. So we have three of our kids today getting baptized. And friends, I made this decision when I was 10 years old, the best decision I've ever made in my life, and it stuck, so I believe in it. My wife made this at the age of five in the kitchen floor with her mother, praying with her. Friends, God speaks to kids. And by the way, if we're going to come to faith in Jesus Christ, he says we have to become like them. We have to have the faith of a child. And so we're here to celebrate baptism. How about we do this? Um, we're going we're gonna to sing at the end. We'll, we'll, you can applaud after each one, but we're going to sing and celebrate. But we want to celebrate with our three baptism candidates today as Pastor Christie baptizes them.